<laughs> of course, if you've seen the movie, uh, you know uh, what happens beforehand. Be how does Ralphie get in this predicament where he has this bar of soap uh, in his mouth? By the way, can I just take a, a survey here? How many of you have had that happen to you before? Oh my goodness. Wow. I, didn't, I never had that happen to me. Not that I didn't say bad words or anything, but apparently I didn't have to have, deal with that kind of punishment. So on the way home, the family, uh, they went out to pick up the Christmas tree, right? And they go out uh, and uh, the, they're on their way home because dad has victoriously got a tree for a bargain, okay? And he's, you know, he's already excited about that and they're singing Christmas carols on the way home and immediately a, a, the tire, a tire on the car goes flat. And of course, this is another opportunity for the old man to kind of get out of the car and he tells his wife, he says, okay, time it because he is going to break his record of, of, of uh, changing this flat tire. Uh, apparently, this is something that happens frequently for him because they are timing it. So mom, and he's out there, gets ready to start it. Mom turns back to Ralphie and she commissions him to go out and help his dad. Of course, he's so excited. It's a promotion. It seems, and it seems, and he's thrilled to make this impression for his dad to kind of prove his worth. And so he goes out there, and he gets to hold the hubcap, right, that keeps all the lug nuts safe. And it is in that moment that a crisis occurs, and he fails at the one job that he was so excited to do. And the lug nuts go flying around all over, and you hear. Oh, fudge. But that's not what he really says. And this is the dreaded punishment that Ralphie is going to receive as a result. I think we all live in this fear sometimes of punishment, living life in fear that we will not measure up to the other's, other standards and expectations. I oftentimes see myself in Ralphie's shoes uh, as the stun who is standing out in the cold wet offering my help to my dad. And I get the, I, I remember actually holding the hubcap <laughs> and my dad is changing the tire. We had a jack like this, not the one that you stick under, not the scissor jack, but we had the one you put on the bumper because that's when bumpers were really made strong and okay. <laughs> Or I was the one holding the flashlight, or I was the one that went and fetched something for my dad, whatever it was. And what I really wanted to do was something significant, something important. I didn't want to hold the flashlight. I didn't want to hold the lug nuts because I see that I believe that I can offer so much more. <clears throat> but even this one thing, I cannot achieve. And I dropped the hubcap full of dreams and aspirations. I can't even do this one thing. What makes me think that I could do any better? And in the, in the place of failure, <clears throat> excuse me, in this place of failure, I respond out of striving and frustration, much like Ralphie did, and even quite naturally with words that express my feelings about myself and about the world. Oh, fudge. Over time, with this same story playing out in different scenarios, we become crushed without hope, and we live in fear. We live in fear of that punishment. And I think this is the condition of our world, right? 
We live in fear that our work goes unnoticed and that we are insignificant. I work hard, but all that work goes unseen, and I am not making a difference in my world. And that we fear that we do not have a place or a people. We don't belong. Or we fear that all I do and all I have will not measure up, and so I will never be accepted. God has a message for those of us who live in fear. It's part of the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8. And there were, I, I mean, when I, when I think about this, I immediately go to another Christmas movie, right? I see Linus standing up on stage in the Charlie Brown Christmas, and he, he, he quotes this out of the King James. I'm not going to do that. And there were shepherds living out in the fields not nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. They were fearful. They were scared. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, peace to men and women on whom his favor rests. And when the angel had left them they, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. We love that story. That's part of the Christmas story. The angel's message to the shepherds of Bethlehem is one of peace. It is one of shalom. How is this the message that we need today? Does anybody need peace this Christmas? Anybody need peace this year? Do we fear? We certainly do. I do. And the message is fear not. In Micah chapter 5, the prophet will speak about this when he says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. This little town, the little town of Bethlehem, some, a place that in some ways is very insignificant in, in all of the big scheme of everything that's happening in the world. It's going to be out of this small town where David was born that God is going to bring his salvation. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. These Bedouin shepherds of Israel, the prophet Micah comes with his message, and as if you read out this entire letter that Micah, 
Micah iterates, that Micah preaches to the, the people of Israel, it is a letter of, it is a message of condemnation. It is a message of condemnation to point out the injustice of the leaders of Israel who have forgotten their mission, which we've talked about many times, and I prayed just a little while ago that we have been blessed to be a blessing. Israel was supposed to be a blessing to all of the nations around them and to their own people. Yet, they became wealthy uh, because of theft and greed. And they left the poor behind and forgotten. And they demanded payment for protection. Sounds like the mafia, you know, you, 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 you're going, you want protection from me? Because I'm the strong man, give me some money. And they would bend justice to favor the wealthy. And the poor are deprived of land, of security, and hope. And so this is where Micah enters the story. He gives them this, you have you've destroyed and you've forgotten the mission that God has placed you on. And in the middle of this, the Bedouin shepherd is a picture of people all over the world that go unnoticed and forgotten. These are the ones who are downcast. These are the ones who are downtrodden because they have been crushed from oppression fueled by greed. And yet, even though Micah offers this message of condemnation, he also gives a message of hope. God would come and shepherd his people. God would bring them back from their exile and establish a king who would bring peace on earth. Fear not. I see you. This is what God wants to communicate to each and every one of us. Fear not. I see you. God's peace brings justice. Your plight has not, has gone, not gone unnoticed. He is very aware, and he speaks this message to the people of Israel, and he speaks it to us today. Jesus would speak similar words about himself. In Matthew chapter 11, in his response to John the Baptist questioning about, are you, are you the one that was foretold? Are you the one that we have been waiting for? Because John didn't believe it. John was worried, and he was concerned. And Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. And this is, this is our king. This is our shepherd. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. You see, even John himself, John the Baptist himself, was looking for this military leader who would rise up and conquer. And Jesus said, I am the one that God promised he would send, and this is what I do to bring peace. I see you, and I'm going to bring justice into your life. Later on in that text in Matthew chapter 11, uh, starting at verse 25, Jesus will say some things that, have, that are very familiar to us. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, which is very interesting, I think, just to pause there, because it's, it, it is those people who are the oppressors, 
those people who are crushing, those people who are the leaders, the message is going to be hidden from them because they don't need anything. They've, they've controlled their lives in such a way that they have all that they need for themselves and they're, they're going to miss out on this. But I have revealed them to little children, Jesus would say. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then he says these words, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Second, fear not. I value you. I value you. God's peace brings belonging. He values these shepherds that are out in the field, the, the ones that hear these words, fear not, and he, and, and he sees these people and he says, not only do I see you and I recognize your plight, but you have my heart. You are like the king for me, the king who was supposed to shepherd the people, right? And he says, in the, in the way that you live your life, this is what I value more than anything, more than power, more than prestige, more than having any kind of ability, you have my heart, and this is what I value, which is counterintuitive in our world, right? As much as it was then, it's still counterintuitive. The very people who are the least of these are valued by God because they have what it takes. They have what it takes, and so do you and I. So I want to read a psalm, again, one that is very familiar to us, that speaks of God as a shepherd. You know it well. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. I, I just want to pause there. I remember years ago, an elder at a church that I served, uh, when he was uh, in the hospital, he was... Uh, dying. He was uh, uh, getting ready to pass on. And I remember he, I, sa I said, Bob, I said, what, what is your favorite passage of scripture? And he immediately said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And that's all he said. And, and he meant to stop there because for him, it was that if God is the person who's ruler and the king over my heart, I, I lack nothing. No matter what the world wants to say about me or even the, the things that I struggle with in my own insecurities, if God is the ruler over my heart, I lack nothing. And then watch what God says about himself or watch what David says about the Lord, rather. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. These are the very simple things that a shepherd does for his sheep. 
He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. All right. Catch the words. I will walk through times of doubt and fear and darkness. I will. Even though I am there, guess what? You're not alone. The Lord is shepherding you there. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I, I think, I, and I think it's actually very appropriate for this message because if, if it's the rod of God that you fear for yourself, that's not what the psalmist is talking about here. You know, because I think we've, and I probably have as a preacher twisted that a little bit from time to time too, where I thought, okay, you know, we just, we all need discipline sometimes. And it's not untrue, but this is not what this is being used for. The shepherd doesn't use the rod and the staff to punish the sheep for their bad behavior. <laughs> That's not what he's doing with it. They're, they're a stupid sheep anyway. They're, they're not gonna, they can't control themselves. No. David, as a shepherd, would go after the lion and the bear, and he would protect his sheep. So he says, I, I'm not going to fear any evil because your rod and your staff, they're there to knock all of those enemies out of my way. Thank you, God. You, oh, and this is beautiful. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. If that doesn't paint a picture of value, I'm not sure what does. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And in the last part, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I mean, it echoes in Jesus' words when he talks about the shepherd and the sheep and that he will go out and leave the 99 and go out after the one because we belong there and he will do whatever it takes to get us back to where we will dwell with him forever. Fear not. Fear not. What do I have? Pause and see how God will use the thing that you have. Even if you don't feel that you are worth anything, even in that moment, what are the simple things that God has given you? Just like he gave the shepherd, and he uses that. He turns it around, and he uses that to describe the king. What do you have? God says, I will use it. I value it. You have what it takes. Fear not. And last, fear not. I accept you. God, God's peace brings salvation. We're all messed up people. I was reminded of this the other day. Uh, was, I was having uh, coffee with uh, John Backstrom the other day, at, and one of the things that he reminded me of words that we have used here for years, and I, I, I haven't heard it lately, and I, I feel like I want to get back to saying this over and over again. We are all messed up people, but God is crazy in love with us. Amen? 
God may seem to be so far off. When we, when we think of the things that we have done, and it seems like we have to work our way back up to God. We've got to climb this ladder, and we're always at a distance. And it's bad theology to project that we must continue to offer penance for our failing, failure, failings in the chance that we might get accepted because we will never achieve it. We will never achieve it. This is the story I tell myself. I know that I have been conditioned to think that I must earn acceptance, that my behavior must live up to a standard that no one can achieve, nobody can achieve. And I must work to regain this position that I think that I have lost, but it's a position that I never had in the first place. No bar of life, boy, soap will ever cleanse all of my sin. Nothing that I do is going to be able to wipe that away. Another psalm uh, that is written speaks uh, well of this. It's Psalm 51. Starting at verse 7. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors their ways, your ways, and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Do not, you do not delight in, listen to this, you do not delight in sacrifices, or I would bring it, you see, that was a work. That was something that they would do, the Israelites would do. And, and if we're honest with ourselves, we find ourselves in that place over and over again out of fear where we feel like we have to continue to achieve something to get acceptance, not just from other people, but from God. And the psalmist here says, you do not delight in that. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are what? A broken spirit, a contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. It's his gift. Fear not, I bring you salvation. In all of that worry and all of that brokenness where you are at and, all of, and, and however you feel about yourself, I bring salvation in the middle of that. Fear not. When I live in this place, when I live in this place where I humbly accept this salvation, God brings me peace. But what do we do? What is, what, is, what is it that we do? Because I think we, we still have this idea, it's, it's still a gift. 
think about Christmas. The cycle of Christmas for us. It's you receive a gift, and what do you naturally want to do? Give another one back, right? Have you ever had got a gift that it's like, and it's so extravagant, and you think about, well, I just got you this. I need to go and get something more to kind of keep up. <laughs> but that's not what it is with God at all. There's nothing, we can never outgive God. And we need to get that out of our heads. We need to get that out of our heads. So what do we do? That's still the question. How, how do we respond to this gift? Micah chapter 6, to end this message and to end his communication with the Israelites, he says, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? It's the same question. How do, how do I, how do we receive this? How do I do this? What can I do? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? I mean, he's going all the way to the the farthest extreme. And, and basically what he's saying, he's not questioning and saying, I, I, I can't, I, basically saying I can't outgive God. He's not, he, he's basically acknowledging there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. But here's what will happen. He has shown you, O mortal, which I love that word too. It's like, okay, the, the condition of my life, our lives, is that we're, we're, gonna, we're just passing through, right? And so while we live passing through, here's what we do in response. What is good? And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly. In other words, do what I do. When you live in this world, see other people the way I see them. With value. No matter where, what position they have, see the other person. To love mercy and lead with mercy rather than judgment. To constantly be in this, in this attitude of giving and forgiving. And to walk humbly. Not, I have achieved this for myself, but... I am so grateful that God calls me his beloved son or his beloved daughter. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God, giving all to God who saves. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for today. <clears throat> thank you, Father, for this simple message it sounds so simple, but it's one that we have the hardest time doing, and that is living in peace. But may we hear the words of the angel to the shepherds, fear not. And may we rest and live in the gift that you give that brings us great joy. In Jesus' name.